This is the Bike Snob of New York City, and you're listening to The Bike Show on Resonance FM 104.4. This is The Bike Show on Resonance 104.4 FM. My name is Jack Thurston. It's the last show in the current season. I've been going, this is the 10th show, I think. So it's a 10 show run, and this is the last one. But um, I think it's going to be a good one. going to be hearing about the Levenshulm Bicycle Orchestra and hearing a track off their new album which is out um, the next couple of weeks. I went up to see them play live at Barden's Boudoir in Dalston last week and had a chat with the band and that's coming up in a minute. But before that I'd like to introduce guest in the studio, David Kitchen. Welcome to the bike show, David. Thank you. I think to most of the listeners to the show, you'll be better known as something else than David <laughs> Kitchen, right? Yeah, as uh, Velocio on a London Fixed Gear Single Speed Forum. And you are the guy who's responsible for this internet phenomenon, right? Um, I'm responsible for the website. I think the people are responsible for the phenomenon. Okay, well, tell us a little bit about what is the London Fixed Gear Single Speed Forum. Um, it's really just a community website, and I know the word community is sort of thrown around a bit, but it's just a place where people who are into fixed gear, single speed cycling can meet, get together, sort out rides, hang out, discuss things, and just share their love of that kind of cycling. And when did it begin? March 21st, 2007. So that's two, three, three? Almost three. Almost three. And that was, I guess, what was, what was your, so what was your thinking in setting it up? Did you think it was going to become what it's become now? Uh, there wasn't much thought in it. I, I used to run a music forum, um, which was pretty successful. Um, but I'd had a little bit of a trauma in my life, and I'd come from this um, cycling background of doing uh, criterion racing. And what had happened was I was finishing these rides, and I really just wanted to go for a drink. And there was no sort of cycling community that would finish a ride and just go, hey, let's go for a beer. So instead of going for the protein drinks, I wanted to stop the ride, stop in a pub, chill out for a few hours. Well, you, you, could have joined, you could have joined the Tweed Cycling Club, but that actually involves going to the pub during the ride. And I think that was a club that, that came into existence in about the same time, about three years ago. Well, I think the London Fitzgear one has reversed it now and it starts in the pub. <laughs> so it's gone the other way. OK, well, let's get through some of the, the descriptive statistics to say how that explain how much of a phenomenon this has been because you know there are plenty of uh, internet forums out there and community sites and all that kind of thing but this is really big isn't it it's the 11th largest cycling website in the world um so that's above almost everything tour de france is way below us for nearly all of the year except for only a week or two um we are the largest cycling community in europe um even though we're just based around london we have 15,000 members, um, 10,000 of whom come back almost every month. 
And what do people get out of it? I mean, it's a hard thing because probably everyone gets something different. But yeah, I think um, I don't know. I think there's a real sense of family amongst the core members. Um, that's definitely the most telling thing. And and they get a lot. They get friendships. They get a, a lot of help and support, companionship. Uh, and you know, if you're going on a long ride and you want support in training, then you've got all of that. Um, for the more peripheral members, then they'd get advice on how to actually get started, how to configure a bike, how to convert a bike, what to buy if they don't know and it's all very new to them. So it really depends on kind of how much you want to put in as to how, what you get out. And how, how does it compare to the other cycling forums that there are? Because there's obviously there's Cycling Plus, is that still going? In, or is that morphed into Bike Radar? I, I don't know. That's uh, Bike Radar. I, I think... Um, and there's another cycling forum. Is that still going? Yeah, another cycling. Yeah, that's still going. That's actually pretty large nowadays. That's getting out underway. I, I think um, the rise of all the fixed gear ones, not just in London, but globally, can be traced back to um, bikeforums.net. Um, that was substantial. But they had a kind of schism there. They had lots of moderators, uh, and the moderators really jumped down on everyone. And it created, in a very short period of time, uh, Chicago Forum, a New York Forum, San Francisco. Uh, and we kind of followed that. So, uh, And it was more that which has come around. So it's not owned by anyone. It's not sponsorship-owned or brand-aligned. It's, it's just So people. there's a strong sense of kind of integrity in the, in the thing. People don't think that they're part of some corporate conspiracy well, I hope they don't. <laughs> I don't feel myself as a corporate conspiracy. So, I mean, what, and what kind of effort does it take on your part to keep the thing going? I mean, if, if, it's a, if it's the 11th biggest cycling website in the world, and we know that cyclists do go online quite a lot, probably more than other segments of, the, of, of, of society, and that must make it pretty big in terms of just hardware and, and, um, and hosting costs and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we're running on eight servers currently. We might need a ninth server in a few weeks' time. Uh, we always have a real surge at the end of sort of March and beginning of April when um, the fair weathers start coming back on and, and that really sort of drives up the traffic. Um, it takes me about an hour or two every day to do the hundreds of minor changes that I do. Um, on top of that, not much. Every now and again, new software will take out a week of my life, but... Mostly it's just an hour or two a day. <laughs> and, and so let's talk a little bit about the character of, of the site because it's, it, it's an acquired taste in some ways. I mean, it can be quite sparky and, and people can say things online that I guess they maybe wouldn't say face to face. Is that fair? It is true. But we do have a little... A lot of the people meet offline. They do meet on the rides. They do meet down the pub. So they do know each other's character and they know that they can sort of joke around as if they would offline in a pub sort of scenario um, so you do get online a lot of conversation and banter which when you read it and you don't or you're not aware of the relationships you can definitely read it and just go how can they say this this is very aggressive but what about people what about unwelcome. people who come on who are, who are new who haven't really done anything before to give an idea i mean they get they get horrendously treated don't they <laughs> they I mean, do the jostling is quite bad we, we have a, a um a a very slow entry system called the nursery uh, and basically when you sign up you can't start new threads uh, and this was to protect us from spam there was a big spam problem which was pretty much just just taken care of by doing this but it's also to protect people from themselves if they ask questions that have come up continuously and they haven't searched for them uh, they will be slaughtered <laughs> the regulars will jump in and you mentioned that um, people spend a lot of time meeting up and actually riding and I, and I think that's probably the thing that has impressed me most about the about the forum because you know there is a lot of you can you know empty your life by um, being on the internet but it doesn't seem like people 
on the London Fixed Gear Single Speed Forum are, you know, devoting themselves to the internet. It, it, the internet, in a, in a way, is a means to an end, which is riding. Do you want to talk about that a little bit and talk about some of the, the, the rides that yeah, happen? I think that happened because um, the Fixed Gear community, when you, when you get a lot of Fixed Gear riders together, you ride in a different way than if you've got a lot of people on geared bikes. You have to be far more conscious of the fact that people will skid stop and how they will actually behave in a group. And it's not like a normal ride. And with that, the forum, when it started... I mean, they ride a lot slower as well, of course. We've had that in. <laughs> Some of them will dispute that. Um, th- when the forum started, it was very much ad hoc rides, very much a case of sort of going, what should we do after work? And then six or seven people would shoot around the city of London. Um, but now, yeah, the really big ones, the Bridges rides, it's not uncommon to get more than 100 people. What's, what's the Bridges ride? Bridge. Um, it goes from east to west or west to east, and it, they start at either Tower Bridge and end at Kew Bridge, and you cross every bridge along the way. So it includes the pedestrian bridges, which you probably shouldn't, but it does. And how many bridges is that for people who don't know London? Well, I don't know how many bridges are. Is that 20-something, 20-something, <laughs> all the way to Richmond or Twickenham? To, or to Down to Kew Bridge. Kew it's bridge. always the question of whether it includes the Millennium Bridge, but it does nearly all the time. So. Yeah. yeah. So, which makes a lovely noise when you go over it in mass. <laughs> and... Other things, I guess the, there's, there was a reasonably good contingent on the Dunwich Dynamo because I, 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 there's quite a big thread about that. And then I definitely yeah. noticed them passing by or being passed by me. I can't remember what it was. But. <laughs> yeah, it depends on which way around. It's the same with things like the London, the Brighton. Um, and there's also just many. Uh, the Exmouth is coming up as well. That seems to be in big discussion this year. Um, the Exmouth Exodus, yes. For which I'm hoping that this year will be the year when they get fine weather, because for the last three years there's been basically good weather on Dunwich and terrible weather for the for the West Country folk yeah. doing the, the doing the Bristol to Bristol to Exmouth, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. The weather report from last year just sounded appalling. There were so many people just were not prepared for that. So. Thankfully, I wasn't on it. <laughs> and, what, and so, what's coming up um, on, on you know this this year? Um, there's Big a rides of small and things ones. like that. Or um, small ones. A really great one that's coming up is going to be in March, and that's just a camping ride. Um, uh, one of the guys, uh, Scott, who he's runs this little uh, company that makes bike bags, um, and actually the, the farm is good at this as well. There's a lot of little cottage industry that's within the actual community and enables it to actually support itself and enables a lot of new work to come out. But he proposed a camping trip, and, and so we've booked pretty much an entire campsite, and everyone's going to cycle down to the edge of Ditchling Beacon and camp out and then cycle back. And that's going to be pretty interesting, just seeing how they cope with tents and sleeping bag on track bikes. Yeah, that'll be... I mean, well, I saw your bike, and it's, you've got a front front rack and a, a pretty hefty looking I'm um, cheating <laughs> uh, hefty looking saddlebag right I've also got a roll off hub so I'm not sure that counts oh, right, well, I, didn't, I didn't look closely enough I was a bit late and I just ran in I thought oh that must be David's bike <laughs> so what would be your advice for people who want to set up a an online forum whatever it's going to be something like that for their community of cyclists or community of enthusiasts more generally I think the first thing to do is just check whether one exists. One probably does exist. But if you honestly feel you've got an area which isn't covered or that is uniquely different and you've got a justification for it, then there's enough software out there to make it easy. We started off with a bit of software called Vanilla. It's free. You just need the cheap web hosting. And you can start at like $5 a month to start on that. Um, The key thing is the people, though. The, The software is worth nothing and, and so is the domain unless you have people who are actually interested in care so the question is how do you reach those initial people i mean you can acquire the network effect after a while if you get enough people 
it will take care of itself. But it's a question of how do you get those initial ones. Um, what I did was went around all the blogs, went around all of the sort of websites which covered some aspect of cycling and just announced that this particular new one had set up and we wanted it to be a success. So it was more a case of when those people arrived, even though it was empty, they put in a lot of content to help it be a success. Right. Well, there's the challenge. Who, so where is it going to come from? The, where's, where, what you, what, who are you scanning the horizons in, in fear of who are going to knock you off your 11th? Oh, spot. <laughs> I, I don't think <laughs> I've got the community sites. <laughs> I, I think the threat to the long term existence of any large community is what happens when the community gets too large, um, which is there's, you can only, as humans, sort of deal with so many relationships and so many friendships. So at a certain point, when it swells beyond a sustainable mass, um, you will get just friction and schisms happening. So it's more a case of how it can hold together when that happens. Well, all the best. I hope it's far away. <laughs> yeah, all the, all the best. And stick with us. Um, I'll bring you back to see what you think of the uh, the Levenshulme Bicycle Orchestra, to whom we now turn. This is a, uh, a, a band who've got a new album, their first album out, called Nine Doors. And before we play a track from that, I interviewed uh, the band last week, and they were playing their first London gig up in Dalston. And I started by asking what um, the Levenshulme Bicycle Orchestra was. It's a musical group, I suppose is the most simple way of putting it. It involves elements of performance, art, uh, improvisation, sculpture, instrument building. How did bicycles find their place in the lineup in the first place? Yeah, well, it kind of started out as um, me, me and Zeke had, have played music together for quite a long time. Um, each of me playing instruments and Zeke. Uh, using his voice as he does in this band and we were just having a slightly silly jam in my house one evening and I uh, started playing on my bike just making small sounds playing spokes um, getting bits of rhythms and kind of metallic resonance and Zeke sung along with it And What did you think of that when you started doing that Zeke? Well I, I wasn't that surprised because he, <laughs> he, he tends to play on anything he can find really so in fact I wasn't surprised at all not even a little bit so I just sort of went along with it really and just tried to sing along with it and then I remember the first time we played the bike Dave actually rode the bike to the venue this was not in this band in another band turned it upside down and played it and then rode home so I, was, I thought that was quite good so is it purely the sonic potential of the bicycle or is there something else going on with the connection between you know, bicycles and creativity or expression or philosophy? Certainly the sonic potential is, is one of the things I'm interested in exploring generally is that, um, you know, kind of making sound or making musical sounds and organising sound with any kind of, uh, with anything you can is something that's quite an exciting possibility. Uh, so I suppose that's where it comes from in, in its initial... Uh, in its initial stage. But we were just talking before, weren't we, about um, um, you know, kind of man and, or human, human, <laughs> and bicycle being integrated as a form of transport, maybe. I think, they, I, think I, quite like, I like how they look as well. Like, Hugh um, works in a bike shop and he, he made um, uh, like various bicycle sculptures. I think you made the first one, didn't you? And then mm. you made other ones. And... Um, and I, I think there's one that looks a bit like that Marcel Duchamp, you know, the ready-made of the, the bike wheel on the stool. The, I did, like, a, copied that and did a drawn version of it for the logo just because visually I think it, it looks very interesting, looks nice. I mean, we're in Dalston now, um, which is kind of not far from 
the epicenter of the um, kind of punk DIY movement 20, 30, 30 years ago. God, I don't know, with the desperate really? bicycles. Um, is that DIY ethic kind of central to things for you? That, yeah. That's certainly where I've come from playing in bands and playing music and well, in Levin, squatting. Well, in Levenson, particularly, I think, where we kind of were all living when we started playing. That was the DIY sort of culture. Yeah. There's a big collection of us organising gigs, playing in bands, putting stuff together, making art. Um, yeah, just generally trying to be active and create culture uh, um, from uh, nothing, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to delve into the process of um, making your music? kind of builds from improvisation, I think. Yeah. We're all keen improvisers and experimenters, and we've... I think all worked from different points of view to try and find different sounds and whatever we want to create on stage. We're, we're all, uh, you know, quite keen. I don't know if exhibitionists is the right term, but you know, we're all quite <laughs> extrovert on stage, aren't we? So um, yeah, we all add a different um, mode of expression to what we're doing on stage. None of it's scored. Um, none of it's prepared. We just play and, and find something as we go along, and you know, it's. We, we're all it's, it's just improvisation yeah, isn't it yeah. we, we've all played we've played and practiced a lot together so I suppose we have a we have a sound that we all recognise and we all work within certain boundaries whether they're instruments or ideas or how we interact with each other so there's some kind of overview of how we play together but within that there's there's an enormous amount of freedom and is there a lot of communication on stage between you the performance yeah, I mean, I think we just all listen to each other, and as Dave was well, saying earlier, it's kind of it is to do with listening. And if one of us stops listening to the others, and kind of goes off on their own, it's, it just stops working. I think. Yeah. So, in some ways, there's no front man for us, is there? I mean, uh, although Zeke's at the front of the stage, you know, he's very much uh, a band member rather than a front man. Would you say that, Zeke? Yeah, definitely. As I really don't like it sometimes when when my vocals are mixed very high and the rest of the band is, is mixed like like a rock band where I'm meant to be the front person and because I, I tend to react to whatever is going on musically and if the music doesn't seem as powerful as it could do and then when I try and sing it's really loud it, it's very difficult to get into the right frame of mind so I'd rather just the vocals just be part of the rest of it or make weird noises with my voice you know to add to it that way it's pretty unforgivable to ask artists about message because if you had a message that could be explained into a microphone in this interview now you would need to go and do what you do on stage but is, is there something that you think that either intentionally as a consequence of what you're communicating or in another way people take away from, from your performances certainly the for me, anyway, the idea of trying to find sound in unusual places and to recognise sound and to see its importance and place in, in our culture as opposed to kind of fixation with visual culture, which is quite commonplace, I think, nowadays. But for me, that's, that's one of the things to, to do with a band. I think for me, listening to Zeke's kind of stories and the stuff that comes out of his mind through, you know, through when we play or when we practice is probably, for me... The, the most exciting thing, I think. Yeah, um, 
well, I, I tend to just make the lyrics up, and then it can just be a mix of like um, weird scenarios or like reminiscing about things from a long time ago or things that, that have happened that day, or or I get get an idea that <clears throat> I want to express. Um, like in the in the last one, the the album that we did on the last song, that ended up going through like a hotel room, going in different rooms to try and get some feeling of of, of, of being like unrestrained and uh, free, which, which sounds a bit banal, but it was quite um, quite a, a difficult journey to get there. But the, the the music and everything, we all kind of went there together, you know. So this is your debut album which is out mm. in a few days yeah. um, t- tell us about how that came about and what's the difference between producing a, a, an album recorded presumably not live I mean in front of an audience and, and what you normally do in, in the live sense well I suppose we really tried to tried to conjure something up in the album which was uh, kind of embodied the, the live aspect of, of this band and um, working on this recording uh, the the we, we didn't try to create an album, we just tried to recreate the live performance and try to get capture that on, on record. So um, the, the tracks which we selected on there, I think, are the, the best, best of the, the music that we recorded over two days and just selected excerpts from that, um, which really work in, in their own right in kind of segments, which you can listen to as, as a kind of... Uh, uh, yeah, like, a, like, like a pop song, yeah. <laughs> I think we just wanted to like make the most of like because we'd only ever been recorded very very badly before, like really really badly on the crappiest equipment ever. And then like Josh actually took the time to set microphones up and to record us properly and get good sound. And I think I think we just wanted to try as hard as we could to not waste the opportunity, you know. I think the album turned out very well in the sense that the sort of material that we got. Um, was kind of ordered into the track listings of, of nine tracks. The last track is called Nine Doors, and it kind of there's recurring themes. Um, I won't I won't go into it. You have to listen to the album, but there's recurring themes throughout, and it kind of yeah, it's kind of like a big story, I think, in a way. Mm. It is. It's like there's there's some Burroughs in there, there's Joyce in there, there's Beckett in there. It's all some chewing up of the 20th century, for me anyway. That's you know. I read books.
and Limber, the opening track of the new album from the Levenshoom Bicycle Orchestra album called Nine Doors, which is out on the 22nd of February as a free um, or flexible price download, and there's a CD edition with handmade artworks. Is that the kind of music that goes down well on the Fixed Gear forum, David? Uh, I've no idea, but it sounded like the Fall and Beta Band, and that was pretty cool. Very good. Well, we're inching up towards the uh, the end of the show. I'd like to say thanks to David for coming in and hope to have you again. And um, I, I like the idea of that camping ride. Maybe we could get a feature on that on, on the radio show. How about that? Any budding radio <laughs> presenters? <laughs> I'm the sure forum? there might be, actually. Um, okay, we'll put you can always join us. I could join <laughs> it. Well, I actually, I, mean, I do exist on the forum. I do exist on the forum. I don't have such a cool name as Velocio, though. This is the last episode um, in the uh, current season of The Bike Show. We'll be back on the 5th of May, so a little bit of a extended break, um, but I think that's good. Keep things fresh. I'd just like to say thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to everybody for your ideas and notes of support and word of mouth encouraging other people to listen. Um, thanks particularly to a fellow called Nick Orloff in Australia who wrote the nicest of notes in a couple of weeks ago saying uh, thanks for making the show. And he says, among other nice things, that it's the only cycling podcast he can listen to in the car when he has his wife with me. In other words, she won't... 
she'll listen but without too much complaint and I guess that's high praise indeed from Nick in Australia thanks Nick um, coming up next is One Life Left that's all from me um, and see you when the early summer blossoms are hanging mellifluously off the trees in the uh, in the outskirts of London we'll be, we'll be out um, riding our bicycles through the blossom and in the sunshine it feels like a long way away right now I have to tell you it's freezing but until then that's what I'm keeping in my mind stay with Resonance FM until the 5th of May thanks for listening goodbye goodbye